The following message, entitled, The Best Shepherd, Part 24 of the series, I Am, was given by Mark L. Trogi on the 20th of May, 2012, at Sovereign Grace Church of Indiana, Pennsylvania. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. Morning, everybody. Thanks for coming this morning. If this is your first Sunday, welcome. My name's Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Sovereign Grace Church. And uh, as Stephen mentioned, if you can, uh, I will be back in the guest reception afterwards today. So it would be great if you can come back. I'd love to meet you. And uh, we'll have some refreshments back there. So if you're able to stick around, that would be great. Please come on back. We're going to jump back into our series on the book of John for a few weeks. And this morning we'll be looking at John 10, John chapter 10. So if you could open up to John chapter 10. Jesus is called by many names in the Bible. He's called the Alpha and the Omega. He's called King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Redeemer, Wonderful Counselor. But there is no name So sweet to a believer as the Good Shepherd. And before Jesus invaded my life, I saw God as a punisher of sin and a taskmaster that I thought I could never please, but I never saw Him as a Good Shepherd who loved me and cared for me and would provide abundantly for me. And that's what John chapter 10 tells us, and we're going to jump into this in just a minute, but let's pray first. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You are the Good Shepherd and You care for us. And You long this morning to care for Your people. Jesus, You long this morning to shepherd us, to give us rest, to provide for us, to comfort us, to assure us. You long to do great things this morning, Lord. Jesus, I pray that this morning You would lift up the weary and the downcast and the weak, and You would give hope to the hopeless. You would give joy to those who are lacking joy, Lord. I pray, Jesus, that as we look at Your Word, You would shepherd Your people. Thank You that You are a good shepherd. Lord, would You please open the eyes of our hearts to see more and more of who You are and Your care for us, Your love for us, and Your provision for us. We ask this in the name, in Your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's look at John chapter 10. And we will begin with verse 1. We will read the first six verses for right now. John 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Now, as we just heard in verse 6, Jesus uses a figure of speech with them. It's kind of like a parable that makes one main point, and the point is the difference between Jesus, the shepherd of his sheep, and the thieves and robbers. We don't have to find meaning in every single detail of this figure of speech. For example, in this figure of speech, we don't have to say, what does the door represent? Or what does the doorkeeper represent? With, with the parables of Jesus and with this figure of speech, it just has one main point, And it's to compare himself to whoever is intended to, to mean by the thief and the robber. And what his point is, is that Jesus has a relationship with his sheep that no one else has. Jesus has a relationship with his own that the thieves and robbers don't have. He is the authorized shepherd of the sheep. Now in those days, a sheepfold was a fenced-in or a walled-in courtyard next to a house, and it usually had one door or one gate. And sometimes more than one shepherd would keep his flock there. And so they would, in those cases, they would hire a gatekeeper who would know all the shepherds. He would know them by name. He would recognize them. He wouldn't let anybody in who was not authorized except for the authorized shepherd. So when Jesus says He enters by the door and the gatekeeper opens to Him, He just means that He is the shepherd that God has authorized to care for God's flock. The thieves and robbers are not true shepherds. They, they aren't authorized. They harm the sheep. They don't care about the sheep and the well-being of the sheep. And Jesus is referring to the religious leaders of His day. The Pharisees, the scribes, and this passage followed immediately upon an incident in chapter 9 where those leaders showed that they didn't care about a man who was born blind, who Jesus healed. And all they cared about was that Jesus had broken one of their rules about not healing on the Sabbath. And so this probably is what prompted this. And Jesus is talking about the selfish leaders of Israel. And Israel had a history of selfish leaders who didn't care about the flock. And remember that the, the purpose of Jesus in, in sharing this is to show how much He cares for the flock. And what I want us to hear this morning is how much Jesus cares for you. How much Jesus cares for His people. But He contrasts he, he contrasts the leaders of his day who didn't. And, and it's like the prophecy in Ezekiel 34. Here's what God said. This, is, this was a kind of a history of the leaders of the Jewish people. They just didn't care. Most of them, not all of them, some of them really cared, like David, Moses, but a lot of them didn't. And so in Ezekiel 
34, it says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, the leaders, the spiritual leaders, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Sadly, that was the experience of God's people for many, many years throughout the history of Israel. And so God, in that same passage in Ezekiel, God says, because you have not done your job, I am going to shepherd My people. And He gives this prophecy that Jesus fulfills. And here's what He said. I'm going to send, I'm going to, I'm going to be the shepherd that you're not. He says in verse 11, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I Myself will search for My sheep and will seek them out. I Myself will be the shepherd of My sheep. And I Myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost. And I will bring back the strayed. And I will bind up the injured. And I will strengthen the weak. And the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. And He says, you leaders, you Pharisees, you are the leaders. You're like the leaders Ezekiel talked about. You don't care for the sheep. You're getting fat off them. But I am the one who cares. I'm the authorized shepherd. I search for My sheep and I shepherd them and I will seek the lost. Jesus cared for the well-being of His people. Shepherds had to keep a close eye on the sheep and they had to protect the sheep and they looked out for the well-being of the sheep. And so, Jesus wants you to know He's keeping His eye on you. He looks out for your well-being. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is looking out for your well-being? He's... He's not just kind of looking out over the big crowd of Christians on the earth. He is looking out for the well-being of every one of His sheep. He protects us. Do you know that Jesus is jealous of your safety? He is so desirous of protecting you. You may feel like you're going through hard hard trials. But you need to know Jesus has not left you. He has not stopped protecting you. He is the shepherd. He is the shepherd. He cares about every detail of your life. I hope that we see that this morning and and have faith that He does see and care about every single detail in our lives. 
And so the first point that Jesus makes with this figure of speech is He is the God-appointed, God-authorized shepherd of God's flock, God's people. And He does a great job. He's, He's the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's good at what He does. And He talks about His voice. He says, his sheep hear his voice and follow him. He says, the sheep hear the voice of this shepherd. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, when when he says he calls his sheep by name, That describes the intimate relationship Jesus has with each of His people. Before God apprehended me, I had no no intimate relationship with Him. I went to church. I believed God was way up there, somewhere, running His universe. I believed He was waiting to punish me. I was guilty all the time. But I had, I had no intimate relationship with Him. I, I didn't, if, if you would have asked me, does God love you? Does Jesus love you? I probably would have said, I don't know. But when He says He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out, it describes the intimate relationship. Back in the, those days, the sheep would hear their shepherd's voice. And they would recognize it. And it wouldn't matter if another shepherd used the same words and said the same thing, the sheep wouldn't follow him. And I know this is true. I know this is true because I actually lived on a sheep farm at one time in my life after college. I rented a room above a garage and and the, the woman who owned the farm raised sheep. And I would see her talk to the sheep and they would follow her. Well, one day I came out of my apartment and I looked around and the owner was nowhere around. And so I said, I think I'll talk to the sheep. And I said, hey, little fellas, come here. And they would not come near me. They were, they were terrified of me. These sheep wouldn't. I was saying, I was saying the kindest thing. I'll give you something to eat. I'll be nice. I just want to pet you. Can I pet you? Oh, they would back off. They didn't want anything to do with my voice. But when, when uh, Miss Bork was her name, when she would come out, oh, they would run to her. And so I know this is true. There's a, there was a trust there. There was a care. They knew they were safe with her. They knew she wasn't going to hurt them. And they didn't know who the heck I was. That's some creepy guy with a beard. I probably would have said boo if they'd have gotten too close and scared him anyway and totally shattered their trust in me. But this shows the intimate relationship between Jesus and His sheep. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you're following Jesus, it is because He opened your heart to hear His voice. Not necessarily, not, not an audible voice. I'm not talking about hearing audible voices. I'm talking about hearing the voice of Jesus in your heart. 
And you know what I'm talking about. If you've, if you've been following the Lord for any length of time, you know what, I, what I'm talking about. Jesus speaks to us by His Holy Spirit. He comforts us. There are times when, when I have felt alone or I have felt hopeless and the voice of Jesus just comforts me. He comforts me through His Word, through His Scripture. He comforts me by His Spirit. He brings Scriptures to my mind. He comforts me by sending another believer to me who will just say the right thing that I need to hear. And Jesus Himself, the God of the universe, Jesus who created all things, is caring for us individually. He cares for me individually. Why does He care for me? I have no idea. I don't know why He would care for me, but He does and He cares for you individually. And, and you will hear His voice. And you will follow Him if you truly desire to. If you call upon Him, if you turn to Him, if you surrender your life to Him, He will give you this care. Psalm 32.8 is one of my favorite Scriptures in the whole Bible. I say this, I pray this all the time. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. This is God talking. God Himself promises I am going to keep my eye on you, Mark, and I am going to counsel you, and I will show you the way which you should go. And there, are, there have been times that I didn't know what to do. And I just prayed this prayer. I, I pray this prayer numerous times in a month, probably in a week. I say, Lord, You have promised. You will counsel me with Your eye upon me. You will teach me. You will instruct me in the way which I should go. I need that right now. And He does. And that's His will for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus will guide you in your life? Some of you are brand new Christians and you don't know much about God maybe. Well, I want to assure you, He will guide you. He will lead you in your life. Some of you have been following Jesus for 20, 30 years, and you would say, yes, He does. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. Some of you are just now maybe getting done with college, or maybe you're in college, and you are saying, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Jesus will guide you. He will instruct you in the way which you should go. Some of you don't know who you're going to marry. Some of you don't know what to do. Some of you have just come through a trial and you don't know what to do with this trial and you don't even know how you're going to handle this trial. Jesus will lead you because He calls His own sheep by name. Maybe you don't know what to do with one of your children. Jesus will lead you. He will counsel you. You will hear His voice. Jesus is also the door. He uses different pictures for Himself. First He says, I'm God's authorized shepherd. And then he, he switches the figure because it says they didn't understand what He was talking about. 
And Jesus loves these people so much, He just continues to appeal to them and continues to give them different ways of of seeing who He is. And so in verse 7 it says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, which means, listen close, I'm going to say something very important. When Jesus said truly, truly, it was usually in the context of Him already talking and people not understanding it. And so He says, listen, I'm going to tell you something. He says, I am the door of the sheep. This is another one of these I am statements. I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might that they may have life and have it abundantly. What is he saying there when he says, I am the door? Jesus is saying, I am the exclusive and only way someone can become a part of God's flock. I am the only way someone can get to heaven. I am the exclusive way that God has appointed for someone to become a part of the people of God. He is the only way to God. Jesus said in John 14.6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Now, I think most of us in this room believe this. If, if you are new to all this, if you, if you don't know this, there are not many ways to God. There are not, heaven doesn't have many doors. Jesus said, I am the door. There are not many paths to, to God. They're not all equal. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of those things don't take us to God. Only Jesus only coming to God through faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I'm the door. He says, all who came before Me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. And what He was talking about was not all the Old Testament prophets. He didn't mean they were all thieves and robbers. At, at, at the time Jesus said this, there were many false messiahs. There were many people claiming to be the Messiah. And Jesus said, All these false messiahs are thieves and robbers. But the the people of God didn't listen to them. They heard my voice. Just like the blind man I healed who, who said, I believe in you. And he says, I provide you with all you need. Let's and let's look at the wonderful things Jesus gives his sheep. First he provides salvation. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved. He will be saved. We sang songs this morning. Your wrath is put away. What does that mean? It means that every human being stands under the punishment, the retribution, the wrath of God because of their sins. But God poured His wrath out on Jesus on the cross so that if we turn to Jesus, God will not pour His wrath out on us because He's already poured it out on Jesus. And we will be saved from the wrath of God. 
We're saved from the wrath of God in this lifetime. And there is a wrath of God to come upon the world. When Jesus comes back, there will be judgment. And all who have not turned to Jesus will experience God's wrath. There is going to be wrath poured out at the end of the age. And we will be saved from it who come to God through Jesus. We don't have to fear the end of the world. We don't have to fear Jesus coming back. There is no wrath left. There is no punishment left. You are saved. We are saved. Our sins are washed away. As we sang in Jesus, thank You. My sins are washed away. Once your enemy, I'm seated at your table. We are under the pleasure of God who have come to Jesus. So we should be the most joyful people on the face of the earth. That doesn't mean that we are Pollyannas who don't acknowledge we have trials and sadness. But there is a deep joy that comes from Jesus that sustains us even in our hardest times. And so, are you grateful? Are you grateful for salvation? If you've received salvation, we should be grateful for it. We are not going to be punished. As, as Stephen said, we're not going to be condemned. And so if you struggle with condemnation, you, you need to remind yourself of these glorious truths. There's no judgment for you. There's no condemnation for you. There's no wrath for you. There's only the pleasure and joy of God and the reward of God for you. So that should make a difference in our lives. It doesn't mean we go around necessarily with a fake smile all the time, Pollyanna glasses, and we're real people. But I would ask, would, would people at work see something different in you? Would, people, would your fellow classmates see you just as a grumbler all the time, just complaining about this prof and grumbling about this test? Or would they see something different in you? Would they see some kind of joy and thankfulness in you? I, I want people to see that in me because I'm saved. I am under God's favor when I walk into the store. Sometimes I think, I look around and I see all these people shopping and, and they're just hoping for something good in their lives that's going to make them happy. And I think, I'm saved! Jesus saved me of my sins. I have every reason in the world to be the most happy man in this store. So maybe I do look a little smiley sometimes, but I am. I'm, I'm, I have the joy of the Lord. And as I really, I really felt so impressed this morning while we were worshiping, those of you who are suffering, those of you who have been through tragedies, those of you who really suffer, when you are here lifting up your hands, praising God, singing songs because you're saved, that brings God so much glory. And that shows that your good shepherd Jesus has done a deep work in your life that you would trust Him in the midst of sadness and trials. So, He is the one who saves. Don't stop praying for people you love to be saved. Jesus is 
the first thing He says about Himself as the Good Shepherd is if you come to Me, you'll be saved. He said, I came to seek and save the lost. That's what I came for. Jesus is all about saving people. And so if, if you're concerned for your children, you're concerned for your, your family members, you're concerned for your parents, you're concerned for people in, in, at work who aren't saved, don't stop praying for them. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't stop asking God because the Good Shepherd is a Savior. He loves to save people. He is good at saving people. He can save people that you would look at and think they'll never be saved. People probably thought that about you. People might have thought that about me. If, if I had looked back, if I'd seen myself the way I, I know I was looking back, I probably would have thought that, that guy will never get saved. Keep asking Jesus. Ask Him all through the day. Tell Siri, remind me every hour to pray for people. If you have Siri. Jesus is also our provider. Jesus says He will go in and out and find pasture. Now this doesn't mean we go in and out of salvation. This doesn't mean we go in and out of the kingdom. It just means that we will find God's rich provision wherever we are. Jesus not only provides for salvation, He provides everything we need spiritually. Everything we need. He provides us everything we need in life to glorify Him. This doesn't mean we get necessarily everything we want. This doesn't mean there aren't times when we are in need physically. But He will give us all we need to give Him glory and praise. All we need to follow Him. All we need to have joy in Him. All we need to have to have strength in Him. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What a statement. I shall not have any spiritual need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He restores my soul. Some of you, some of you are probably thinking, I really need to be restored right now. I am tired. I am weary. I am worn out. Turn to Jesus. Call upon Jesus. He restores my soul. He wants to give you rest. He wants to make you lie down in green pastures. Some of you have been under financial stress for many months or years and you're just weary. Jesus can give you rest in your soul. Come to Me, He says. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Some of you are carrying heavy loads. And just when you thought things might get a little easier in your life, something happened and now you have a sickness that you weren't counting on. Or you have people that you're having to care for that you weren't counting on. And just when you were looking forward to life getting a little easier, now it's really hard. You need rest for your soul. You need to be restored. Some of you have had your hearts broken. Maybe, maybe a relationship didn't work out. Maybe your marriage failed. Or maybe you have been devastated in some other way. He restores my soul. That's what we need. We, we don't need... Let me, let me tell you something. Television won't restore your soul. Alcohol won't restore your soul. Drugs won't restore your soul. Movies won't restore your soul. Books won't restore your soul. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with some of these things, but they, they, they won't restore your soul. Having things won't restore your soul. A new house won't restore your soul. A new relationship won't restore your soul. No human being can satisfy another human being. Jesus restores our soul. Oh, there have been times I've prayed that. I've said, Lord... I need you to refresh me. I need you to revive me. He restores our soul. He also gives abundant life. Verse 10, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. You look at creation, you can see there's an abundant God. I mean, you, you look out at creation, there's cardinals and blue jays and woodpeckers and magnolias and azaleas and redwoods and oceans teeming with whales and shrimp and eels and shark and stingrays. I mean, there's, there's an abundant God, but He says, I will give you abundant life. He doesn't just give us bare minimum life. When we come to Jesus, it's not like He says, okay, I'll give you eternal life, uh, and that's just way, for way later on in heaven, and just now you're just going to have enough life to get by. Jesus gives us abundant life. I love what the ESV study Bible says. Jesus calls His followers not to a dour, lifeless, miserable existence that squashes human potential, but to a rich, full, joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities under the personal favor and blessing of God and in continual fellowship with His people. I remember when, when it became clear to me as a non-Christian that when Jesus was working in my life, I had to quit the rock band I was in because we were playing in these bad places. And I realized we were singing a lot of songs, that the lyrics were bad. I knew I had to quit the band. And my first thought was, well, there goes my life. There goes my social life. There goes my, all the fun I know. I don't have any fun. That's the most fun thing in the world is playing rock and roll. There goes my life. And then Jesus gave me the thought. Thought came into my mind, who created fun? I said, well, God did. You did, I guess. So God said, well, don't you think I can give you some fun in your life? Little did I know, little did I know the abundant life Jesus had for me. 
I love this, this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, I have heard of some good old woman in a cottage who had nothing but a piece of bread and a little water. Lifting up her hands, she said as a blessing, What? All this and Christ too? That's the secret of life. That's the secret of contentment. It's having Jesus Christ. If we have nothing else, we can still have an abundant life. Because Jesus gives abundant life. Some of you don't feel like your life is abundant. But this is Jesus' promise. Ask Jesus. Ask Him. Pray, Jesus, give me life. Give me the abundant life. Let me Give me joy. It says in James, you have not because you ask not. Ask for whatever you desire from Jesus. Because He's the Good Shepherd. Verse 11 says, I'm the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up again. And this charge I have received from my Father. He says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. That, to say I know my own and my own know me in the same way that I know my Father and He knows me, that is a statement of the absolute utmost intimacy. In the Bible, when it would say a man and a woman got married and they knew one another, it doesn't mean they just got to know facts about each other. It means they enjoyed the most intimate, loving relationship. And so when Jesus says, I know my Father and my Father knows me, it means I have an intimate relationship with my Father. It's not like I just can tell you anything you want to know about God. I know all the facts about God. No, it's I have an intimate relationship with my Father. And He says, and that's the way it is with you and me. That's the way it is with my sheep. Do you believe that? That's the kind of relationship Jesus desires to have with you and me. He wants us to have that more and more and more as our lives go on. And I can say with over 30 years of, of knowing the Lord, that, that He has deepened this intimate relationship with me so much more over the years. I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt He loves me. I, I talk to Him all day long. There's an intimate relationship. Do you experience Jesus' love? If not, I have good news for you. Jesus wants you to experience His love. 
Not just read about it in the Bible, not just accept it by faith, but to know it and experience it. It says in in the Psalms, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't just say, read about the Lord being good. There's an experience. And here's what Jesus says. Here's the proof of His love. He says, here's, here's the reason the Father loves me and I love Him so much because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. And He lays His life down for the sheep. He says, I came out of love for the Father, out of obedience to the Father, I came voluntarily to lay down my life and rise from the dead to take my life back up again for the sheep. Out of love for the Father and for the sheep. Just think, Jesus did that for you. He voluntarily went to the cross for you. He didn't have to. The Father Father commanded Him and He voluntarily laid His life down. Nobody took Jesus' life from Him. It wasn't an accident. The Romans didn't take his life. He said, I lay it down. He says, I'm not like other shepherds who see a wolf coming and run. I voluntarily voluntarily sacrifice my life for the sheep. All because he loves the Father. All because he loves you. And so this morning, as we close, whatever situation you're facing. I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. I want to strongly appeal to you. Have faith in your good shepherd. Believe. Believe in the One who laid down His life for you. If He laid down His life for you, do you think He doesn't care about you now? Do you think He would go to the cross and rise from the dead for you and then not meet your needs? Do you think He would let you suffer without being there to comfort you and help you and re- restore your soul? If He died on the cross, if He was allowed Himself to be driven through with nails and beaten and spit on, He did all that for you. Do you think He's not going to help you in your marriage? Do you think He's not going to help you with your children if He did all that to you? Do you think He's not going to help you get through this sickness? Do you think He's not going to be there with you? Because He loves you. My prayer as pastor of this church is that every one of us would have the abundant life that Jesus wills for us and has for us. So let's stand. Let's pray. Let's have the band come up. Let's have, let's have the care group leaders also come up. And if you desire to pray, or to have prayer rather, if you desire to have prayer for anything, if anything I said touched you, please come up even as we're singing and let these folks pray for you. So if you are a care group leader, care group leader's wife, and you don't have children you have to pick up right away, come on up. Let's pray. Jesus, we love You, our Good Shepherd. 
Lord, make these truths real to us, we pray. I pray, Lord, for every person here this morning, everyone who would hear this message, Lord, that you would make these truths come alive in our hearts. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Singing, just come on up if you would like prayer. Lord, we thank You that You are the Good Shepherd and that You care so very much about us. 
And Lord, I pray that this week as we go out, that we would be aware, Jesus, of how great your care for us is. That we would be aware of your love and the fact that you shepherd us, Lord.